Now more than ever, the industry that fuels the world needs the right people to modernize and unify a global energy platform. The transformation is both digital and cultural. Join us as we explore strategies for success in the hyper-competitive war for talent here on the Energy Workforce of Tomorrow podcast, hosted by the IBM North American Oil and Gas Team and KIT. Hello and welcome to another episode of Energy Workforce for Tomorrow, sponsored by Ericsson. Hi, I'm Jason Duff, North American Oil and Gas Lead for IBM. I'm here with my co-host today, Brian Woodward. Hey, Brian, how's it going today? Hey, Jason, how are you? I'm good, not bad at all. Getting back to the cold weather, are you sort of feeling it up in Weybridge or not? Well, even Weybridge, Weybridge is in London. I, th- I think you spent a little time in Scotland recently and you got a little bit of a reminder of what real cold weather is, but for Texas, yeah, it's cool enough. Yeah, it's getting to single numbers now. Hey, I've got a great guest that's joined us today, Brian. Let me introduce and then get us kicked off. The Nuke Pods, the founder and CEO, David Coyman. Hey, David, good morning. Good evening, hey, good afternoon. Good, <laughs> good late afternoon here from Amsterdam. Great to be joining you on the podcast. Listen to that Dutch accent there. I yeah. could have told you you're in Amsterdam. I can make it sound more Dutch if you wish. <laughs> <laughs> that was an interesting impersonation, by the way, right? I'll start impersonating you guys here. and y'all Brian, start doing don't you start doing, I know your impersonations, mate. I know where we're going there. So David, give us a little bit of um, intro on who you are and who NukePods are. You know, this is Energy Workforce for Tomorrow. We've been talking about leadership, transformation, the juniors coming into the industry. Yeah, David, give us an intro of you and NukePods. Well, just very quickly, my own background is I'm a product designer. And as such, I kind of wander the world looking at ways that it could be better, plotting paths to take us forward. And in that respect, in uh, 2016, coming off the back of having worked for a very large organization with 170,000 employees, $26 billion turnover, I had become deeply, 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 deeply disappointed, much stronger than disappointed, actually despondent (laughs) at the condition of uh, workplace and how unpeople centric (laughs) it had become. In particular, I have the strong impression that workplace has been designed by extroverts for people like themselves and that ignores a silent majority, not just of uh, people, but of moments. Uh, Not everybody can be on all the time. So what I wanted to do, if I use the analogy of a theater, if I will, and if the open office is the stage, what I wanted to do was create a little bit of element of backstage because we're missing it. Somewhere where you can go to feel psychologically stay safe, step away from the overwhelming, sensorily prickling environment of the open office environment, but still feel part of it. So try and strike that balance between being able to feel safe, but also still feel part of. And so that's why I invented Nook as very much a drag and drop retrofitable element, because it's all very well talking about the future of workplace and thinking about Greenfield, but 100% of workplace that already exists already exists, to say <laughs> to say so glibly, weirdly. But so we need solutions that are going to work retrospectively as well as for new builds. And so that's where I was coming from with the idea of Nook in the first place. So I called it introverts at the time. And I've since learned and understood and through working with some great people. I now appreciate and realize what we're talking about is neurodiversity, neurodivergent minds. And I want to help people unlock their neuro superpowers. Very cool. 
David, that's awesome. Jason, you probably remember this back in our early careers as well. I remember the early offices that we worked in. Everybody had their own space, right? And obviously you could be out in the open and you could be yep. interacting with people when you needed to, but you could find your sort of quiet time and your space to work in the office. And maybe some of our younger listeners out there have maybe never seen an office like that, right? Based on sort of what's happened with trimming down square footage and trying to make the spaces a lot more collaborative. But certainly I see where you're going with that. And I think there is definitely a need to still provide folks a home to concentrate and kind of do their work. So can you talk a little bit about sort of, I guess, how you see the physical work environment evolving? And then, you know, when you help maybe a client design their new office space, what are kind of some of the key considerations and trends that you're seeing today? Absolutely. So look, we're in the midst now of this evolution towards hybrid working, right? Not going away anytime soon, that's for sure. <laughs> and so, you know, the way I see hybrid working evolving and the way I see a lot of this, the actual success stories, you know, sort of panning out over this past year or so since things have really started to open up again, the most successful projects that I'm seeing are appreciating and focusing for the first time really on people's needs and are consulting with people. You know, they, there's an expression we use in this world, nothing about us without us. So unless the process involves people, the people who are going to use the space, unless you're doing some little bit of deep diving into who's using it and how they're using the space, you know, you're never going to develop a space that's one size fits all. Uh, HOK architects say it beautifully. They say one size misfits all. <laughs> and I do agree that that's the case. So I think if I was to, you know, give my top couple of tips for where I think this is going, I would say the first thing I'm seeing, which is a proving successful and I believe in strongly is zoning. So being able to zone space so that people can move between the zones based on what it is they're doing. So if you need a little bit of quiet, if you need somewhere to collaborate, if you need somewhere for a Zoom call, uh, if you need somewhere for an event, a little bit of training, space needs to do two things. It needs to be zonal or it needs to be able to adapt. So it might be that, you know, one day that we're going to do training and events in the space. So if you come here, you need to be aware that that's taking place. We need to be a bit more mindful about our scheduling, you know, knowing where our people are and when they're coming into the space. I don't think we have the technology yet to do this, but I think we'll start to see these, you know, these platforms that are evolving where your organization can take credits as part of co-working, maybe partnerships with some of the bigger known co-working spaces and people can find themselves a co-working space. What they haven't yet been able to do is find each other. <laughs> <laughs> that's an element that's coming too. So we've got zoning, we've got that flexible working, appreciating that it isn't a dichotomy between work from the office and work from home. It's actually work from the office and work from anywhere. And if that anywhere for you is a local co-working because your home isn't appropriate, or if home works for you better, then, you know, good for you. Or if you prefer the vibe, the buzz of a cafe style environment or perhaps a hotel lobby with some business services and things like that, right? I think the future is way more flexible in that regard. And if people can get on a bicycle and go somewhere that has a professional vibe, I'm speaking now, I'm really imagining my ideal, perhaps, you know, 15 minute city kind of idea. That's where I see things heading towards a more distributed workplace if you will. So within the workplace, more mindfulness around the needs of the individual, more collaboration with people, more zoning, and then more holistically umbrella-wise, you know, a greater distributed portfolio. Like the next 10 years is going to be really interesting because people may say there's a lot 
that are trying to get staff back into the office because they have the footplate, because they have the square feet, the square meters, whatever it is. So they're going, what are we going to do with this? We need to get people back. But as soon as those rental events come around, you know, those lease contracts clauses are up, they're going to be downsizing. You know, they're going to be consolidating and they're going to be moving into more efficient use of space. So we shouldn't think that where we're at now is where we're going to be in 10 years. By far, I think there's going to be a big change in real estate over the coming 10 years. So David, what's happened? We've had these studios the last five, 10 years, even IBM, et cetera, and probably people have tried to do their own spaces. What have they failed at? Or what have you guys actually brought to the table that people think, yeah, I really need you know, Nook involved in this? Where do you think that's? Well, I would say the biggest challenge that I've seen is this prescriptive model of using kind of, you know, homification of workplace as yeah. a kind of a catch-all it's a magic wand almost. Well, we make it feel more like people's homes. And yes. then people will... Sofas, TVs. Sofas, TVs. Amazon. And of course, goddamn ping pong tables, you know, table football. These elements, I think, are really important and they're valuable. And it's almost like, although Google have now moved way beyond this, but it's almost like the misunderstanding of what the Googleification of a workplace is. We'll get some bean bags, we'll get a pool table. <laughs> but you know, well people like to relax in different ways. If I just take that as an example, putting in we're going to make it fun, we're going to bring play into the workplace and we're going to be really innovative. But what you've done there is you've catered to again the extroverts who want to play in the open, who want to make noise, <laughs> who let off steam in a very audible kind of way. What you're forgetting is some people like to relax in more of a spa kind of setting, in more of a wellness kind of a mode, in more of a relaxing kind of a vibe, muted tones, muted light, perhaps. So they're looking for different things in the workplace. So I think we've taken a little bit of a, you know, an homogenous approach and gone, we're going to bring home and we're going to bring play into the workplace. Perhaps haven't really considered that there's different types of brains in the place and that different people need different things. And if you look at say, for an example, a financial institute compared to the marketing department, or let's look at departments of a large organization. Different departments have different brain footprints. I mean, they really do. It's possible to imagine, isn't it, that you'd have a different type of brain or different types of needs in a department where people have to focus on programming or focus on financial transactions compared to one where the dynamics of sales and marketing and the and creativity are happening. Not to challenge that, but looking on the Nuke website last couple of days, I almost saw it as you'll either cringe or you love me to say it. It almost feels like Lego style. Then this is Jason views of it, of just giving the audience a view then that says you're looking at pods, either huddles or solos, if I understand. And you're looking at, if I summarize, it was quiet, utilizing the existing space. So you're not taking everyone's space out. You're using the space smartly, using sustainable material and multi-purpose. You can do it for work, play, etc. I mean, have I got Nook in a... I was trying to summarize it before the call, but that's what I took it. Is it a Lego style sort of thing that people do? Or are you going to tell me there's not a bloody way you can do that? <laughs> no, no, no. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. It's not plugged together in a Lego style way indeed, but it is meant to, you know, you can start with one. One alone for a small space will have a powerful impact. And yep. then you grow based on, you know, there's a multitude of, there's kind of three styles of pod. There's the huddle, which is 
a couple of people sat together with a table in between, room for laptops, place to plug in your stuff and some controllable lighting that you can adjust the lighting in a way that doesn't affect anybody else. That's really important, right? Got it. And then the solo is the, a real response to us recording this kind of podcast, video calls, telephone calls, the explosion of video and digital communication. People are rushing back to the workplace, but then they have all of these video calls and now you know, it's turned into a cattle market, a cacophony of people on video calls, all in the open space. And we can't all go into meeting rooms for those video calls. That's not an efficient use of meeting rooms. So we need some sort of flexible dextrous to address that. A pod is useful in that respect. And then the last piece isn't prevalent on the website, but will be soon, is something called a shelter, where we were trying to solve for accessibility, as in physical accessibility with wheelchair, etc., and in the end, with the help of our audience at Neocon, by putting some really terrible prototypes out and honestly going, these are awful. Help <laughs> us to do this right. And then beautifully, interestingly, it turned out to the great solution was to distill it down to its simplest form. And it's essentially a shelter. So imagine three walls and a roof, no floor, on wheels, and you can bring it around an existing workstation. You could use it in a hospital with kidney dialysis or chemotherapy equipment. You know, you could bring it into a school and use it around existing desks, tables. So thinking about the resources that people already have. But yeah, it is a modular system that starts with one and can expand outwards from there. So David, that's interesting. I mean, so it sounds like obviously a lot of flexibility. And I think, you know, when we talk yeah. about maybe the workspace of the future, flexibility is a key term. And, and you talked about different brain types and different personality patterns, certain departments within an organization, right? Maybe even certain cultures, you know, organizations with certain cultures, the ping pong tables and the pool tables don't match the culture. But I think the flexibility also maybe is based on not just what brain type you are, but also maybe what type of work you're doing that day or that week good or point. in the afternoon. Maybe I need a closed-in sort of solo space for a podcast this afternoon, but then I need to have a huddle space to work with Jason on a business plan that we're working on next. So I think that is also where I think the workspace needs to evolve to is to realize that the workday makes up different times of concentration, different times of collaboration, and to be able to have the physical attributes in the space to support the right need at the right time for the right tasks that you're performing, right? Yeah, I think if I could sum that up as succinctly as I can, different types of brains working on different tasks, and even at different times of day have different needs. And that's not just about neurodivergent brains. That's mm -hmm. about neurodiversity. That's about everybody. Because my brain is different just after I've eaten. <laughs> my, you know, my energy levels are different in the morning to in the afternoon. The whole notion of a morning bird and a night owl. Well, there's many more profiles <laughs> across the day of different types of brains. And my brain working on a creative problem versus my brain working on an administrative problem. You would think you were looking at two different people. I think if you were doing a brain scan, one is excited and open and just engaging. And the other is, I think I physically shrink. I think I actually kind of go inside myself a little bit. So yeah, you're right. It is recognizing, you know, it's not a one size fits all. It's actually more like a four dimensional matrix. And then how, oh gosh, that sounds quite complicated. How on earth are you supposed to build an environment for that? To your original point, dexterity. 
flexibility, the ability to change. And that's not then just answering this problem challenge, but it's also then answering, well, what are we also going to need in six months, in one year? How can I purchase things now when I'm not even sure what the landscape's going to be in a year's time? I want to make sure I'm making you know, smart investments. I want to yep. de-risk those investments. Well, I think there's a lot to be said for having an element of fixed infrastructure, which you need, and then an element of dexterity within that infrastructure so that you can change and adapt as your needs evolve. Cool. So David, follow up to that, because that's really interesting. But you think about like sales and marketing floor and the finance floor and the HR building, whatever the way or companies organize themselves by department. And you talked earlier about zones. So are you seeing that the trend is kind of going away from, hey, sales and marketing is going to sit on five and finance is going to sit on three, and you actually develop these zones for the type of working need that exists and people kind of float among the space? I guess, how are you seeing companies attack that sort of flexibility dilemma that we just went through? You'll see a scale of it, won't you? You'll have your early adopters and you'll have your leaders and your forward thinkers who'll be right out at the edge. And in that case, indeed, I'm already seeing facilities teams that are being set up to plan the space by day based on what's happening in the space that day. And I think that gives us an indication of what the future looks like. Another place that you can look to see what the future looks like is co-working. And co-working has that element of dexterity and planning built in. They know their workforce. They've got embedded intelligence in how they monitor, how people attend the building, what's happening around events, what's happening around training, what's happening around people meeting offsite, what's happening with talent in particular teams, growth, decline, et cetera, and using that to plan the future of their spaces. And I think you'll see that coming into the corporate workforce as well. But I mentioned that sliding scale. I think being realistic, there's a percentage that's going to lead and then there's a slow tail of followers. But what's going to make a difference, and this comes back to one of the very first things I think we said in the conversation, is about talent retention. People are interviewing your space when they come now or they're interviewing your attitude to your space, your attitude to mental health, your attitude to well-being. So when you're looking for that talent for the future, they're wanting to know not just about your approach to, approach to flexibility, but you know what are you doing to make this space somewhere that is not going to just pull me towards it, but is going to enhance my ability to bring my best self to work so that I can give you a return on investment. <laughs> It's funny how you say that as well, because we've got some new associates that joined us at late summer, and we've got a new building that we've moved into 315 Capital down in Houston downtown. We've taken a space that's an old, it was an old exhibition hall, if I understand. And it's a great groovy building, but we've not really sorted it out yet. And the, the associates, Brian, when you and I were talking about, it's like, how do we change this? How do we turn it into it? And I think is exactly what David's been talking about this morning. I think this is what Gen Z and the new generation coming through want to do. It's not just the work. It's how they want to do it in this space and the impact. And it's funny also, you raised something else, David, in my head. Four years ago, I was in Singapore, as you and I were talking pre-show. Between the ASEAN floor and the Asia floor, we had a studio that you can walk in and out of. And it was amazing, a bit of an extrovert, surprise, surprise. But actually, I found just what you guys have been saying the last 20 minutes. And Brian and I have spoken about this. I do need some quiet time. And so there were some spaces and blocks that I actually found myself going into away from a desk and being a bit of a, just having some me time. And then there was some, and actually maybe that's another way of helping change this. We all realize, as you said now, David, you know, I had a 
HR issue yesterday. I needed to get to a space where I needed to have a comfortable conversation. I want to have a call with a client that I've got a different sort of conversation with. My wife calls. So there's a whole bunch of things that happen just now. I'm thinking that's probably happening every day. I've not got the ability of this is where I should go, whether it's a huddle or a solo pod and actually go and do that work where I can really calm down and think about what I'm saying. I can see that working. I don't know about you, Brian. I just put two and two together. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I need a, like an enclosure where I can scream at the top of my lungs and nobody can hear, you know? Is that not your F-150? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But <laughs> No, I think you're 100% right, Jason. And I'm curious, you know, David, as you start to, and not start to, because I think you guys have been doing this for a number of years, but maybe I think we've hit a inflection point, if you will, around not just some companies are talking, you know, it used to be, I think, sort of the edgy Silicon Valley hybrid work environment, more free, sort of open, collaborative, shared mobile space. How are you articulating the value proposition back to your clients in this scenario? Like, is there data that you guys are collecting to predict productivity, happiness, retention, you know, these things that I think all dimensions, I think, really matter to a company in terms of setting their employees up for success, right? Yeah, there's a couple of things there. So I'm going to answer the last thing first. So we're not recording it ourselves, but we are with the help of others recording. So, you know, using the Leasman Index, partnering with, you know, our customers such as BP to measure the impact when they do the work on the space, which isn't just about our product, right? I want to be really clear about that. I know when you have a hammer, you can make every problem look like a nail. I'm not trying to solve every problem with, look, it's an ingredient of a solution for a more inclusive, more dexterous workplace. Another solution, for example, is things like making sure there's place where people can sit with their back to the wall. It's a really simple thing. It costs nothing, but it creates psychological safety that if you make it so that people have to sit with their backs to the open space or to an opening door, that's traumatizing. Now, that hasn't cost anything to give that piece of advice. And I'm not selling that as a consultancy service, but that's kind of the principles, you know, designed for the mind that you can use as a tool to make a space more inclusive and then you know what are the things we're selling yes there's the measurements that you can get through the leasements and what have you but i think ultimately what i'm seeing is greater engagement greater volume of ad hoc meetings greater mental health from the ability to recharge and reset yourself and perform an element of self-care and also for the customers too at the end of the day because you're making visible affordable changes in the workplace you're sending a signal to your workforce that we cared about this process that you're part of it. Usually what we do is we put some QR codes inside too and people are able to anonymously provide some feedback. Do you like this? What would be better? Do you want it to stay more of this, less of this type of thing? Adding those processes into the evolution, and I say evolution, it's not a, we're going to come in and do a design project and then it's going to be brilliant. It's never, (laughs) it doesn't work (laughs) like that. We're going to start, we're going to do stage one, and then you're going to do the rest (laughs) over time by giving you ingredients and tools that are flexible. And that's not just us, it's other tools that work with that. And it's thinking about acoustics. Curtains are incredibly powerful and flexible to be able to zone off spaces and cost effective and very good from an acoustic point of view. Hard surfaces, wayfinding, there's all sorts of tools that you can put into this pot that can have a meaningful value. There's the measurement. But you can also see it and hear it on people too. I mean, you can, you know, sit in the space and feel the vibe. David, are you asked at the entry points, hey, it's Jason here, I've got company and Brian, it's company XYZ. Give me what Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn are doing. Is that what you're asked? Or is it very, hey, come in and 
I've got a space. How on earth do I fill this, David? I mean, what's the usual and where would you like to be, I guess? Consultants answer. It's a little bit of everything. But to be honest, though, what I created Nook in the first instance to be was a very transactional. Here's a quick solution to your problem. Other people like you who are facing the things that you're facing it are solving it like this. And here's some testimonials to give you some peace of mind in that respect. So it's not about getting into a whole deep conversation. I love those whole deep conversations, but I only have so much bandwidth for so many of them. It's about going, guys, we can really help with some quick solutions. And then we can start a conversation about what you can do long term. But this is a catalyst for you to start making those changes and engaging with your workforce. And it's evolutionary, right? Just like yes. everything else in yeah. the world. I think that's really kind of what's beautiful about sort of the concept. And David, like you said, I, there's there's other ingredients that go into the space, but I think it is a concept that you're advocating and able to evolve, able to reshape, able to be flexible. I need more of this. I need less of that. You know, I think that is a big ingredient that's been missing in the physical workspace for years. It's usually the designers come in and build out the cube farm or whatever it's going to be. And then 20 years from now, people look at that office and go, man, that thing looks completely outdated, old and worn out. And I think what I like about the concept of what we're talking about is a physical workspace needs to evolve with your culture, needs to evolve with your workforce and the way that those individuals like to work. And you need to always be thinking about adaptability here, not, hey, I'm going to build out a physical space and it's going to stand the test of time for 20, 25 years, because we all know that's really not the reality, right? Absolutely. And we need products, solutions, and services that are sustainable in order to satisfy that. You know, we can't be buying throwaway stuff. We need to buy stuff to evolve over the coming decade or so. And maybe it won't spend its life with you and with your organization, but it needs to be able to move on to a new home, (laughs) pre-loved. We need to be thinking about furniture as a service, maybe for the long-term future. We need to be, as design organizations, we need to be thinking about bringing healthcare experts onto our teams. We need to be using, for example, British Standards have just brought out a new guidance called Design for the Mind, making space more neuro-inclusive. And so now we're starting to see some guidance that's going to help us really give us some good direction and point to some significant formal work that's gone into this. And that principle, Jason, you were talking about, I'm starting to feel the need for this. I need a little bit more of this, that, and the other. I think that what you say there is common. Scientists now say from measuring brains that they're seeing patterns that are akin to mild PTSD in the general population from the isolation that we've gone through over the last couple of years and the trauma that we've been through as a species over the last couple of years. So our sensitivity levels are higher. Now, I've got some tools that can help us to make a workspace, not just work, but education, healthcare, places where we play, places where we heal, more inclusive. And the principle is the following. Design for the extreme benefits the mean. If you design with extreme needs in mind, I guarantee you, and it's not complicated to do, but I guarantee you that the results will be better for everybody, everybody. And at the end of the day, you will have a happier workforce in this context, but also healing environment, education environment, whatever it is it needs to be. You know, Brian, I'm just thinking about this, just wrapping this up. It's got me thinking a lot, David, but once we get that neurodiversity an autistic podcast. I'd love to get David back and put another angle to that one, Brian. You know, that might be a good way of bringing Jose and the other guys into this conversation. I personally think I'd bring in David to that one. I'd really like to do that. I think, Dave. 
Brian? 100%. I think this has been a great conversation. I think it's something that we all need to think about and all challenge ourselves. Certainly maybe think even how I work it at home and it's been probably about half my week working at home. And is, am I really set up the best possible way there? I was here in my truck on traffic away to Houston earlier. And I was thinking if I had a nook pot in the back of my truck and someone was driving me, I would have been a lot more uh, productive because the traffic is definitely full back on as we all know, but sure well, you could have shouted more. Yeah, I could. I, <laughs> actually, it was pretty calm on the way here, Jason, you'd be proud. But no, David, I definitely think it gives us good food for thought and really appreciate what you and your company are doing and appreciate you spending some time with us today. We'll certainly include in the show notes some content on how to get in touch with you and your team and certainly any other information you want to provide on the topic. But, you know, Jason, I think we're going to see ourselves and our customers really need to accelerate the evolution of their workspace and Great, great discussion and great dialogue on the topic. I totally agree. I think if we hadn't done this, remember you and I were thinking initially, well, hold on, energy workforce, but you're right. It's what we had. What, David, you've reiterated what our associates and your associates of space plus, you know, people, we need to get max impact. And the way to do it is set up for the right people. And it's not just, here's a studio, sofa, TV. I think you've got me thinking. I think you should go and look at the website, speakers as well. I think it's www nookpodusa.com I think I'm looking at David I don't know if there's another one but yeah we'll put it in the show notes but it's really interesting and gets your thinking about what should be there and what's not any final comments David any views or the man from Amsterdam oh my gosh how long have you got no but I will keep it uh, (laughs) super brief Uh, one thing that comes to my mind just to wrap up as well is this expression that I heard recently I like a lot and it's what got us here won't get us there So it's just this recognition, and you touched on it too, Brian, as well. This is the moment. This is the change moment. So we need to take advantage now of this wind that we have in the sales. There's never been a greater focus at the top table on well-being as part of the ingredients of the sustainable, livable future that we need to create for ourselves. So it's great to be on talking to you guys, talking to your audience. I hope it's the start of many Lots of conversation to be had over the time. It too is an evolution. So we've a lot, we've a lot still to learn, and I'm looking forward to doing that. Excellent. Thanks, David. David, thank you very much. Brian, Absolutely. that's another one in the bag. Let's get David back on. But thank you guys. For listeners, as ever, please listen. Brian and I started this in October 2022. So we really need your input and feedback. We will adopt, adapt, and improve. As we said, we'll get the right people on. We'll ask the right questions. We've got a wrap-up session towards the end of the 2022 where we want to take some of the questions and sort of put them out there. If we need to, as I say, change, ask different questions, more demanding, different guests, more than happy. And if you too are like David and want to be on the show, more than happy for you guys to come on. David, thank you. Have a good evening. Brian, another show in the bag. Let's get out of here, I think. Cheers, guys. Nice one. Cheers, David. Thanks, guys. Join us again next week on the Energy Workforce of Tomorrow podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com.